does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Let's see what's on TV. It's a three-point Indiana lead. Robinson drives it out of the right corner. And from nowhere, Jackson from the weak side recycles the driving layup. This leads to an Indiana break. And Matherin hits a three from out on the right edge of the arc. Down 21, fourth quarter. DJ is Fakes and again he takes a sack. The rivalry is back on for Matt. This is going to be his fifth punt so far today, averaging only 39 yards per punt. Marcus Jones back deep to receive and it's blocked. It's blocked by the Patriots. They scoop it up inside the 10 and they're knocked down around the two yard line. Left box. Rather watch paint dry. What else is on? Yeah, let's see what else. First the TV guy. Shotgun snap for Henry. He's going to pass. Looking left side into the end zone and it's hauled in. One handed grab is made by Ramon. Andre Stevenson. Oh, God! Somebody do something! Why are they doing this? I certainly did not anticipate today. The rivalry is back on. I mean, Kevin, what do we play? The Jim Mora? Like, in my opinion, that sucked. Or we couldn't run the ball. We couldn't pass the ball. We couldn't do diddly-poo. To quote Jim Mora, Kevin, yesterday, that was a disgraceful performance. Yeah. Yep. Um, embarrassing is probably putting it lightly. I'd love to see the uptick in raking leaves at about maybe 2.30 yesterday in the city of Indianapolis. Here's the thing. It's a boring product, Jake. It's a boring, inept product. It is. This is what... And I certainly hope that when people decide to go out and rake leaves or whatever, that they still listen to the game right here on this radio station to Matt Taylor. But... Why do people continue to invest their time and money in going down to watching a product that when... Did you ever see the movie Fever Pitch with Jimmy Fallon? No. I have, yes. It's a good movie, Mm -hmm. right? In the movie, Kevin, he's a diehard Boston Red Sox fan, and he's coaching a Little League team, and he's like telling them something along the lines of he can't come to the next game because he's got Red Sox season tickets, and and a little kid on the team says to Jimmy Fallon... You love the Red Sox, but why do you put all your time in? Because when's the last time they loved you back? And with the Colts, why should people continue to have to put their time and money into a product to go down there when the fans are putting in their best effort and the team is not? And I don't mean guys aren't playing hard. I mean the Colts need to just come out and say, because one of two things is in play, and this is what I'm going to hammer all morning, Kevin. They're either intentionally tanking to improve their draft position to get a quarterback next year because they realize that that witching hour has finally arrived. And if that's the case, fine, just admit it. Or this really is their best effort, and if so, then everybody needs to be fired and never brought back again. That's the scary part is they are not intentionally tanking. They are not. Then everybody needs to be fired because that's completely inept. The city deserves better. People have given way too much time, way too much emotion, way too much passion, and way too much money for a team that sucks like that, that goes out and absolutely plays dead and is an embarrassment to the profession. Yeah, that was, um, it's there. Um, This is not some, you know, one outlier performance, anything like this. Um, The core beliefs of what your GM and head coach believe in are historically bad right now. Uh, you're you're probably one of the laughing stocks of the NFL. Um, if someone asked me yesterday, are they the worst team in the NFL? Again, I don't know if they're the worst, but they are the most boring. I mean, yesterday that was beyond painful to watch them try and move the football. It was the worst offensive performance I've ever seen from a Colts team. Worse than Jacoby Brissett led offenses in 2017. Worse than Curtis Painter in 2011. Um, Scott told I mean it's not like you had you know five turnovers that kind of mask how bad of a day it was um, you literally had the fewest yards per play in the history of the franchise here in Indianapolis the franchise moved here in 1984 
like, imagine telling Colts fans before the day, you are going to hold the New England Patriots to their worst offensive performance in 12 years and lose by 23 points. New England had their worst yards per play in a dozen years, and somehow you lost that football game by 23 points. We're two weeks into, I guess, the Pacers season. The Pacers and Colts have played the same amount of games, and the Pacers have more wins than the Colts. Give me give me a game. Just give me a team from yesterday. Just Just name a team. Uh, Dolphins. Sorry, Mark. Okay, Dolphins. Okay. Justin Fields look great. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, Tyree Kill had more yards receiving yesterday than the Colts had in total offense. Give me, give me another team. Mark, uh, give me a team off the top of your head. I was head. watching the Chiefs late last night. Chargers. We'll go with Chargers. Uh, okay, Chargers played the Falcons. Let's see here. Justin Herbert had 245 yards through the air. Um, Marcus Mariota had 245. So both quarterbacks threw for double the Colts' total offensive production. I mean, any game. You can any, any game. game. Detroit Lions, Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I mean, like, seriously, pick a game. Yeah, yeah, 121 total yards. Literally, the only other team that had as somewhat of an ugly offensive performance, even sniffing you, was the team you played. Yeah. <laughs> they beat you by 23. Uh, good news. We've got IU and Butler tonight. We've got the Pacers back in action. We've got Purdue basketball tomorrow. And if you're a Notre Dame fan, you're waiting for... I like the raspy voice, Jake. I think that will help your singing this morning. You like that? I just drank some orange juice. I definitely... Uh, six flights in seven days. I picked up some... I tested negative twice a day for the last week, but... A little blues action here for the Notre Dame fight song when we That's get right. time for that here. But here's the thing, if I may. Morning. I don't recall, like, agree. Like it wasn't like I was like, I'm telling you, Clemson's going to win. What do you want to wager? I... I I'm the one that was like, yeah, I don't think we need to wager anything. I think Clemson's going to lose the game. I'm not sure, trying to... Sure, but your fandom is still there, and I think it was a nice gentleman's agreement. Painting of the chest was something Mark threw out there. No way that was happening. Yeah, you know, we, we, we backed off that, but we played the fight songs on Friday to get a little preview of it. And that at was... Some point, um, at some point today, we'll have to... Uh, that was just one of those games, Kevin. Is I, I don't know if... I mean, I don't follow Notre Dame enough to know if you've ever had this experience. There are certain games where you can just tell like five minutes in, you're like, just nothing goes your way. It's like one of those dreams where every door's locked and you could just tell right away. I had a bad feeling about it going into the game because I think Clemson, I think Clemson's good. I don't think they're great. And there were just a million things going against them going into the game. And when that block punt happened, I was like, this is the first sign. That's the first sign that like the roof's about to collapse, right? It's all Notre Dame does is block punts. And I just assume Clemson wouldn't allow that. And, I mean, Notre Dame, like I said, Drew Pine, awful. No way he can throw it. And I would say that was probably embarrassing if I were a Clemson fan to think that Notre Dame can't throw it and they just bullied him. Well, that's the, the problem game. is Clemson's offense is almost – I mean, Will Shipley is a talented back, but their offense is totally based on throwing the ball. So when you got 40-mile-an-hour wins and you're like, well, that means that this is going to be a running game, they were in serious trouble before the game even began. They couldn't stop them from running the ball. Good Monday morning to you. It looks like a beautiful day here in Indianapolis. Nice start to the week temperature-wise here. Colts, um, again, one of the more embarrassing performances in the franchise's history. 26-3 to yesterday. There's a litany of numbers you can throw to, to point to that. Um, Jake, I thought really... It would have to take something pretty catastrophic for Jim Mersey to make an in-season change. Yesterday would qualify as that. Like, at some point... Does Jim Mersey make that change, though? I, I, I'm not, like, a fan of necessarily or, like, an advocate to stand on table and say, fire you know, fire coaches and fire GMs in season. First off, firing a GM in season, like, you know, it's not like you make a slew of roster moves. But at some point, Jake, does it become just, you need to send a message. Well, they're you running out of they're running out of people to send the message about. You need to tell your fan base and tell your organization that this is embarrassing. I don't think they think it is. Well, yesterday I think it was at, at another level. Is it? Oh, it's a fuse amount of yards in the no, history no, no, of the no, franchise. No, I, I, I'm not saying that to you. Yes. Do you think to Jim Irsay? I would think would call yesterday embarrassing. I would hope, and I would think he would call yesterday. I mean, I would think so too, but embarrassing we don't know we haven't seen a post-game video yet we saw drake the dog before the game Mm -hmm. here's the thing kevin 
going into this season, what were we told? What's what's the three words that we were told about the Colts for this season that we were promised? That everyone in the building, period, was all chips in. It was not about next year. It was not about two years from now. It was about right now. And I get that that just simply means like with a dedication. I, I get it. But they were, in terms of winning this year, they were all chips in. Period. Are you? Chips in. Period. Yeah. Are you? Because you've got a third string quarterback that I know he's a great story and he's a great guy and maybe he's got talent. It's hard to say when he's getting sacked nine times what he can do. You've got an offensive line. Matt Pryor, they should put they need to take down who are the who are the portraits on Lucas Oil Stadium right now? It's Quentin Nelson, Jonathan Taylor. Is DeForest, DeForest Buckner, Buckner one? Buckner, I think, and I think Leonard. Okay. Yeah, Leonard's the other one. I don't know which one you take down, but you got to take down one of them to put Matt Pryor up there because getting benched from three different positions in the same season is awesome. Like that's awesome. I, do you know how hard that is to do? To not be good enough to not one, not two, but three different positions, that is awesome. We don't like we I don't think that we are paying enough respect to the greatness before us that we're being able to watch. This is Kevin an eptitude at a level of unprecedented nature in the last well, I shouldn't say of the 21st century. I mean, for the Colts to be able to go back, I loved my childhood, loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I think people naturally are nostalgic. I always thought that you needed a DeLorean and the gigawatts to go 88 miles and at 1.21 gigawatts to go back to the future to go back to the past i didn't realize that all i got to do is just wait long enough and let chris Ballard build a football team and i'm back to 1985 it's awesome back to eastwood middle school because quarterback carousel offensive line that's a complete sieve total disaster embarrassment getting your ass kicked in new england hell yes like let's let's go for a second Reagan term. We're in the mid '80s, baby. I love it. That's my thought on it all. Um, Eleven straight halftime deficits for the Colts. They have not had a lead entering the fourth quarter all year. Only team in the NFL with that. Um, in this three-game losing streak, two touchdowns in thirty-seven drives of offense. And like- again, this is year six and five for this regime and if Jim Mercer cannot look in the mirror at that and realize the extensions he gave these guys have not even sniffed the results that you should expect then you've got a problem top down um, and I, I didn't think we would get here in season but I'm really starting to wonder really starting to wonder if Jim Mercer well, will, will, will do something uh, before the year is but over but you're talking about just Frank Reich right? I think it's very rare to see a GM fired. But do you think the GM is in hot water at all? In season. Um, it, I don't know. Uh, should be, yes. I've made the seat warmer analogy many times, and the seat warmer should be on full blast. It should be you know, negative five degrees outside. You get in your car, and it should be full, full blast. They should be tied at the hip. Because, Jake, it all comes back to, again, the, the root of these issues right now are what each of these guys, Frank Reich and Chris Boward, would call their most important belief, their greatest strength, what they believe in. O-line for Ballard is an absolute joke. It's broken. Um, like you said, Matt, Matt Pryor's played three different spots. Right guard is a mess. Um, the, in a week, Frank Reich gives a vote of confidence to Chris Strasser. That's the response from that group. And honestly, what I saw early in the game yesterday was you just getting outcoached thoroughly. Bill Belichick saying, here is my best player, Matthew Judon. Let me find your worst player in Matt Pryor, and let me stunt towards Matt Pryor every single obvious pass rushing down. And the Colts had zero answer for him whatsoever. That is just flat out outcoached. Flat out. My best player against your worst player. We know full well the right side of your line has not been able to handle stunts for years, and we're going to make sure that you prove that in this environment. And the Colts said, all right, feel free to do that. We'll probably just let Sam Ellinger get sacked nine times. What's going on with Quentin Nelson? Is he Has he regressed, or is he the victim of bad play around him? No, he's certainly regressed. Yeah. I mean, did honestly, like, is he healthy? 
Because there are plays, Kevin, where he... I mean, this is a guy making $20 million a year at the guard position who was thought to be a generational talent. Maybe he still is. I don't know. But like, there are plays where he looks like me out there. He looks like me in algebra. He's just like reaching at straws, right? Colts have allowed 35 sacks this season. In the Frank Reich era, they allowed 18, 31, 21, and 32 sacks. There's eight more games to go, and they've already allowed the most sacks in the Reich era. How about 0 for 14 on third down? Like, don't you just fall into a third down conversion? Or, or maybe you get to like fourth and inches. Well, I guess another week of practice and Sam Ellinger still doesn't know how to QB sneak it. 0 for 14 on third down, 0 for 2 on fourth down. Belichick wore flip-flops to the press conference afterwards. That was such a thorough beating. Flip-flops. Just laughing. Uh, hey, Jake, 80s Colts football. I'm going to go to McDonald's for my Albert Bentley football card. Yeah, Claude knows what I'm talking about. Hell yeah. Ron Stark might show up a youth group. I was up in Illinois for a wedding this weekend, so we had like the Bears-Dolphins game on. I had the Colts-Patriots game on on my phone, and we had Red Zone on the other TV. My dad's like, are the Colts on a bye week? I haven't seen them at all. I'm like, no, they're just not scoring. That's they're not the on Red they're Zone. They're not featured on Red Zone That's because right. they aren't even remotely close to scoring today. I mean, by the way, I, when I said when you said like that was embarrassing and I'm like I don't know do you think they're really embarrassed that was kind of rhetorical I mean I'm sure Jim Jim Ursay is livid but when you talk about Kevin you know would Jim Ursay make a change at head coach midway through the year he is so understandably so and respectfully so so hell-bent on not being the knee-jerk reactionary guy of his father but would, I would argue they've never been like this in the Ursay ownership. I also Jim Ursay's ownership, they've never been like this. After this stretch, would anything be knee-jerk at this point? Like, you've let it play out. Like I, Kevin, I would make... I would argue this. In the year that Peyton Manning got hurt, and I know they were probably indeed doing suck for luck, but when Peyton Manning was removed you realized the number of deficiencies they had across the board that were masked by Peyton Manning and how poorly constructed that team was. And you could make the argument that in that season, with Curtis Painter out there, they had games where they looked equally inept. But preseason expectations with Curtis Painter quarterback far different than preseason expectations with Matt Ryan at quarterback. Well... Undoubtedly, I think that's what you have to factor the, the, in. The, to your point, that you've... the thing that's weird though, Kevin, is that Matt Ryan theoretically still could be out there. So, what are they? Do they really think if they? Again, this goes back to the point, Kevin. To your what you just said, Matt Ryan is standing there in a hoodie on the sidelines, right? I know that he's got the shoulder issue, but they said the injury is not why this change was made. So that means either you are tanking or you realistically felt that Sam Ellinger was the answer to turning your season around. If if they realistically thought that what we saw yesterday was part of a solution towards turning the season around, then fire everybody. Because there's no way that anybody... How can... Well, you're going to fire the owner? Because he's the one that thought it more than anybody. I, I get it, but... How say can one at Ellinger. How can anybody think that that was the answer? Never. I get you wanted to take a look at him. Fine. But come on, man. I mean, that was Scott Tolzien level, right? Yeah, obviously the offensive line, horrific. Um, I thought when Ellinger had some opportunities to make plays, he looked like the Ellinger that I think we thought, particularly in this first road start against that that. Defense. I mean, he had a nice throw to Jelani Woods at one point. Yeah, I mean, the Granson interception was obviously Granson's fault and not hauling that in, but still Ellinger looked like a guy that, again, you need to heavily be invested into the quarterback class coming up in 2023. Um, yeah, a bright spot, Quiddy Pay. Good for him. Loud and proud. I mean... I, I just think this is the worst it's been in, in, in the ownership. Because, again, Jake, you were told in the offseason the quarterback was the issue. The quarterback was the problem. 
Carson Wentz is gone. Matt Ryan's going to come here, and he's going to be the cure-all. And this is year five and year six of a regime. You look back on 2011, you had had some trends of poor drafts with the Polian, you know, Bill to Chris Polian. Um, that group was aging in general. All of that group was aging. The big contracts. This group is supposed to be in its prime. The core is supposed to be in its prime years. You're supposed to be ascending as an era, and you have taken this giant, giant step back. I mean, you watched Tennessee last night with a backup quarterback going there, compete their ass off, probably should have won that game, and they have a ton more injuries than the Colts have right now. A ton more. And yet, they continue to put out. You know what I saw in Tennessee, Kevin? What I saw in Tennessee last night was a franchise that didn't necessarily have an issue at quarterback but still went out and drafted one, and theoretically now it appears as though might have long-term some knowledge of who their quarterback's going to be. Here in Indy right now, there's a lack of hope. Correct. Because there isn't that, you know, look over on Pennsylvania right now. There's not the Halliburton-Matherin. Right. There isn't that. And in Tennessee, when Tannehill goes down, they have that younger quarterback that, yeah, I mean, sure, Malik Willis has got a lot of growth, but, you know, he had some plays last night where you're like, okay, you know, there could be something here down the road for when it's over for Tannehill down there. Um, It's just a sad, sad state. It is a sad state that here we are early November, and this is where you're at. I mean, you still got, got the undefeated Eagles coming to town. You got two Monday night football games still. In terms of the season, it's over. It's over. Which is sad, Jake. I mean, you got eight games to go. You got nearly half the season. Again, college basketball starting tonight cannot be at a better time for the local audience. The Pacers having three straight at home this week. Awesome. Couldn't be a better time for that. The NFL team is such a sorry, sorry product. It is boring, beyond boring. And I keep on bringing up that word because, Jake, as an owner, you've got to think about that. This is not like the Colts are losing shutouts or losing shootouts. This is not, hey, boy, they've had two or three games this year, Jake, where they've scored 31 points. Jacksonville was the outlier. You went no huddle, had Matt Ryan for an afternoon, looked decent. That was the outlier. You look at these now nine weeks into the season, and it is just such a pitiful, pitiful product. I'm Rake telling leaves, you, though, baby. That's what yesterday afternoon was about. I mean, it was a beautiful day. You don't know how many of them we have left. I feel bad for people that... And they'll have a fabulous time with Bullseye Event Group going out to Vegas. I mean, it's Vegas, right? On the road to go see the... the, the everything about it's going to be great except for the game, probably, right? Although the Raiders are terrible, too. God, the Raiders. I'll be a, a cold season... Like salesperson. Hey, you want season tickets in twenty twenty three? Oh, people will people will buy all in. Mark, you kidding me? Of course. Everybody is terrified of dropping out their season tickets because you never know when lightning is going to strike again, and you don't want to be the, the fear of missing out. And the Colts, there is nobody that makes more money off FOMO than the Colts. I think I've heard a little bit of a bigger section, Jake, though, of like enough is enough. Yeah, people say it. They're going to do that, though? I feel like we've had some callers where I'm done. I'm giving my season tickets to X amount of people. But they still paid for them, right? Well, at this point of the season, they're saying, they right, will, here you go. No, I get it. But they'll buy them again next year. I guarantee it. It's going to be hard to spend this one. Jared Goff, is he the QB here next year? Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, trying to think of a veteran name. Uh, Hey, Jake, is Team Bia Sushi going to be at Marsh signing autographs this week? He is. He and Fieldy stopped by the produce section. Leo Wisniewski will be there as well. We'll take your call, 317-239-1070. I tweeted at you Saturday night, seeing if you wanted to meet up yesterday to practice the fight song. Did not hear back from you. I was at my buddy's 50th birthday party. Oh. During the game. So I wasn't... I wasn't necessarily sitting by the phone. But I have my lyrics ready. I wrote lyrics out to make sure that I'm ready to go. Look at that. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. Will you at least give me credit for the fact that I told you Clemson was probably going to lose that game? Dabo was pissed afterwards. He was. That was that was. But you are also, happy because you don't want to see them embarrassed in the playoffs. Well, I'm not saying happy, but I mean, there was 
listen, you, I'm going down there next weekend, so it would have oh, been nice geez. to go down to see a 9-0 team as opposed to an 8-1 team. It is a little bit def- deflating because I don't see how they get in. Now, although there's going to be... We, we still got more chaos. Yeah, they. I mean, they still have an outside chance, but I'd be surprised if they get it's in. It's kind of crazy, November 7th, and you're thinking Alabama and Clemson need a ton of help. Yeah, for sure. A ton of help. All right, a lot to get to, obviously, on today's show. Jeff Saturday going to join us in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll pepper him with some offensive line questions, and obviously we will take your calls. The Colts are 3-5-1 and one on the year. Their worst offensive form- performance in the history. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. ...of the Indianapolis Colts yesterday. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. So, Kevin, here's what I said for those that are just joining us. And good morning to you on a Monday. It is Kevin and Query. Jake Query here, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton as well. A 93.5, fan. It is gorgeous out. Lighter earlier in the morning. Um, what I said earlier was this, to paraphrase. The Colts have taken me back in time. Because this reminds me of the mid-80s or... Second half of the 90s, just before Peyton Manning-level Colts. Searching for a quarterback. Trying to come up with little reasons to be positive. Coming into the season, the Colts franchise promised us that they were all chips in. And they went out and got Matt Ryan. And they were all chips in on the season. And they had taken care of the problem, as you had mentioned, Kevin, with Carson Wentz. And now here they are circling the drain. They're boring. They can't guard anything. Their offensive line that we were promised was going to be the area where they were going to build from the inside out is a total disaster. And one of two things is the case. They either are doing what the Pacers are doing and looking towards the future and sacrificing the season towards that, which is fine except for that they sold everybody a bill of goods and they've been lying about it. Or this really is, in their opinion, they're all chips in, at which point their assessment of chips sucks and the chips they have are awful. It's one of those two things. But my question for you, Kevin, is this. Frank Reich keeps saying, this is on me. We have the players. I need to do a better job. I didn't coach them up. I came up with the wrong game plan. He's routinely said this. Does Frank Reich want out? Is he asking to be fired? I'm asking that 60% rhetorically and 40% seriously. But is this a guy that people say, you know, all the time with teams, did the coach lose the locker room? Did the locker room lose the coach? You know, I'm a big believer, Jake, in like, the NFL, it's self-motivated individuals, you know, for the most part, you should be, you know, playing for your job, playing for your livelihood. But when you have not had a score on an opening drive all season long, you haven't had a halftime lead in 11 straight games, at some point, that is a reflection on your head coach. For sure. Who's also your play caller, who's also in charge of the scripted portion of plays, all of those things. Um, I brought it up. Late last week, Jake, and someone threw this idea out to me. I mean, could Frank Reich retire at the end of the year? It doesn't seem like the craziest thought in the world. Especially now, right? Obviously, Jim Mercer could beat him to the punch, I guess, really. Um, He just looks so dejected. So dejected. Now, given his playing resume, 
as an underdog and all these comebacks and whatever, and you listen to his post-game press conference yesterday, his words don't sound like that. His words don't, but the body language to me tells a totally different story. And again, ben, you know, having Jim Mercer interfere to bench Matt Ryan, the firing of Marcus Brady, which I think was much more unright. These are very unright moves. And um, yeah, I, I don't think it's the most ludicrous question at all. But again, I think there's merit for Jim Mercer to walk in there today and say, all right, enough's enough. Which I, I have not said. To this point, you know, to do something midseason would take just pitiful embarrassment, and that's exactly what yesterday was. Again, with the areas of this football team that him and Chris Ballard believe in the most. This is not the the first year defensive coordinator, Jake, is putting together a performance yesterday that the New England Patriots have not had in a dozen years. New England was so bad on offense yesterday. This is not Gus Bradley's scheme taking time to develop this and that. This is year five of your head coach and play caller, year six of your GM, whose number one belief is offensive line. If I'm Jim Irsay, that to me is like, why should we continue with this operation when you guys have built it to this point? That would be the one where I'm just looking at, looking at this and thinking, why? Why should I continue to do How this? How long do you think most general managers should get? How many years? Right around a handful. Because we're in year what for Chris Ballard? Six. Year six. And they are at this point, how many years away, if they're kind of doing a reset here, that... That buys you how many more years? Three? Two? Like if you draft a rookie QB in April? Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, probably in the two to three range. So now we're looking at eight to nine years with what? A playoff win? Yeah, and zero division titles. I, 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 right. Ballard's refusal to swing the bat has extended his leash. I mean, his refusal to, him, I guess. to take a chance. What about his refusal to talk to anybody? Yeah, I think we need to hear from him. I honestly think we need to hear from Ursay. We only hear from Ursay when it's going well. We only hear from Ursay at the NFL owners' meetings. When have we heard from Ursay after a loss this season? It but just, you know it'll what? It'll be a tweet. It won't be a, it won't be a video or anything like that. It'll be a tweet like, tough win, but thanks for coming you know, out. Kansas City game loss. right there by the bus. Yeah. I do like Drake. Accountability from the top down. Someone asked if Drake could play left tackle. Did you notice with Drake how long his leash is? It seems to be a theme, right? Could be a part of the organization's theme. Trucker Rob. What's up, Rob? Good morning. Good to talk to you, Jake. Kevin, how you guys doing this morning? Trucker Rob, good Monday morning to you. You know, I had three thoughts this morning as I was driving up here to my delivery on the northwest side. I thought, you know what, Jake, you talked about that time machine. I don't think young people realize, you know, back in the 80s, we went to the Marsh grocery store and we got our paper sacks and we cut holes in them and wore them in in the stadium. Oh, yeah. You know, that's the one thing. The second thing, they just need to put a big banner out in front of Lucas Oil Stadium and says, give us a team we can be proud of again. Thank you. The fans of Indianapolis. And the third thing, you know, I've, I've listened to what Kevin said, you know, Ursay doesn't usually do the things that his dad did. I mean, we all know how, you know, contentious his dad was. But, you know, I really seriously think that it's time. You need to fire the head coach. You need to let him go. As far as Chris Ballard, you know, I, 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 he, he's part of it, too. He's a big reason of it too, and like you guys have said, you know, he's the guy that has gone and said, "Oh, this is, you know, this is my cup of tea. This is what I know how to do. You know, I know how to draft players. I know how to do this." Well, you know, where are we at now? You look at the situation that we're at now, and now we're stuck in a conundrum, if you will, because how are we going to? What's going to happen with the draft? Unless, and how many games do we have left in the season? How many games left? Eight. Okay, so so what's what what's the deal? I mean, you know, you look at okay, the Detroit Lions now are what one and six right now, you know. I mean, so if you go by theory and, and the way things go, they would have a prime pick in the draft. So, so right now, saying, that's a yeah. good point, Rob. Um, yeah, I mean, Texans, Panthers, Lions, yeah, all the I two mean, losses are less, and all of them have got to be in the quarterback 
market. So, so you're yeah. gonna, you know, theoretically you have to move up probably. It's right? It's not an ideal situation. I mean, you're looking at right now, unless you make a trade, potentially the fourth QB in that draft class. Does it come a time where you're just like, you know what? I just got to send a message if you're Ursay. We've had all these different scapegoats. Now we've got to send a message with the top of the organization, and we got to do it midseason. <laughs> this from what's happening, Todd. Hey, what's happening? Your lines are busy, but when the Colts win their next three games and the Titans lose two or three, we're back in first in the AFC South. When the Colts beat the Raiders and turn it around, they'll take it back home and beat the best team in the NFL, the Eagles, and the whole narrative changes. We still got a shot. This team will come around. Go Colts. Man, season ticket hold. Whoever's selling season tickets, call him. He's all in. We got a new guy that's starting today. (laughs) How about yesterday? That was a beautiful day in Foxborough, which I know was shocking to everyone. Took 11 minutes um, for the Colts' uh, first wide receiver tight end to catch a pass in the the game. Took 20 minutes for your first first down non-penalty. How about your first third down conversion? They're hoping they can start the game back up today to try and get that. Twiddling our thumbs waiting for that yeah, one. Yeah. That'll be next year. They were, what, 0 for 16 between third and fourth down conversions? Yeah. 0 for 14 on third down, 0 for 2 on fourth down. That's solid. The Kylan Granson fullback dive really worked. They should hang a banner for that. I mean, honestly, there should be a banner up, shouldn't there be? They should hang a banner like 0, 0 for 14 on third down conversions, which is awesome. They should hang a banner again for Matt Pryor for being benched at three different positions in the same season. Like, that is, like... So who's the scapegoat this week? Pryor, Chris Strasser, or does it go to Frank Reich? Um, that would be hilarious if it was Strasser because it wasn't Reich just singing his praises a week ago just like he said about Matt Ryan. So, like, a week later, you know, oh, Strasser's out too. We have Matt Ryan. We Remember have that. Matt Ryan. I really hope Marcus Brady enjoyed some nice whiskey during the game yesterday just sitting on his couch. I think Stephon Gilmore's like, hey, Bill, can you can right. you come get me out that, of here? Is that any way the trade deadline can be pushed back another <laughs> You week? know, today, uh, Jeff Perlman wrote a book about Bo Jackson, and I ordered it, and it, it arrives today. And, and I've said the reason, I know we're up against it here, the, the reason that I'm so fascinated by Bo Jackson is because he was the marquee athlete of my late high school years. And that's, I think, for so many people, music, you know, People so much get like caught up in the nostalgia of their high school years or their. And, and again, I said it earlier. I'm going to say it again. I want to thank the Colts. I want to thank them for allowing me every Sunday to just nestle in and go back to 1985. Total ineptitude, quarterback rotation, constantly looking for answers that aren't there, and being the laughing stock of the NFL. Hell yes, let's go. I, I love every minute of it. I hope that I can go to Kroger and get a Johnny Cook's poster to make paper airplanes to fly down on the field. Maybe Huddle will be out there, the little the little mascot, the pony thing that dropped the deuce on the 20-yard line. Zoop, well, let's get Zoop out lifting Tonka trucks. I mean, hell yes, I'm all in. What was that? Love it. 8 o'clock hour coming up. Kevin and Corey. <laughs> Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You know, watching that game yesterday, I had to think about our next guest and his thoughts. Uh, nine sacks given up by the Colts at this point of the season. That is now 35 sacks allowed. Um, eight games to go and already the most sacks allowed in the Frank Reich era. Uh, the Colts offensive line right now, some major, major issues. Jeff Saturday is with us right now. Jeff, just overall, uh, when you saw the pass protection breakdowns, um, certainly you know Sam Ellinger probably at fault for some of them, but just in general, sure. the play of the O-line. Uh, what what were your thoughts yesterday? Yeah, it's not good enough, all right? I mean, like, you you know, you, you have these expectations of this line, and they had shown some improvement, you know, and, and uh, but man, just a, just a kind of a, kind of a brutal game, uh, for lack of a better term. I mean, it just started off, you know, the very first one, and the Patriots kind of kept getting home, doing the same stuff, running a bunch of games and stunts, and um, just just getting in. it's it's very typical. I mean, they, they weren't rushing, you know, blitzing a lot of guys. A lot of it was was the front four, front three pushing the pocket, 
And when you have a young quarterback like that, if you make him hesitate, you know that was that's always been the Patriots' kind of mo, right? Is that you you make him move off his spot, even if you're not sacking him. If you make him move, he's going to make mistakes, and um, and then they, they just so happen. Not only did they move him off the spot, they hit him a whole bunch and got him. And so they got to be disappointed, man. It's it's not good enough, and the expectations of what um, you know what this offensive line is supposed to be uh, just hasn't materialized. What do you pin that on, Jeff, in terms of the line itself? Is there is there one piece that is not – is there one piston not firing and that's shutting down the whole engine or – yeah, what do you – I don't know. I mean, you would know better than I. When you look at the line, you look at it and say the problem is right where. Yeah, well, I mean, you have – so you have two two issues at hand, right? You have you have the left tackle spot where you're, you're kind of trying to find a guy – and um, you know they've gone through prior. They've you know they, they've they've used Kelly and, and uh, um, Raymond. You know so like they, they've they've kind of gone through the and you, so you're going to take growing pains. You know if you're going to play a young a young player, it's it's gonna it's gonna be an area that you're going to be concerned with. Um, and in the right guard spot where they move prior over, they end up benching him. And I think Fries or some uh, one of those guys came in. Um, but when you have two on the on opposite sides of the line, there's just no good way of of protecting, you know. And so if if they're catching your edge or they're getting pressure on the right side, um, you know, there's a term, you know, we, we, and when I was playing, we called it turnstile. I've heard people say it's the donkey or whatever. It's it's everybody tries to line up on that on that guy. And you know, go put their best pass rush moves on that guy. The problem when you got two of them right now is, is where do you send protection? Where do you send help? And and right now, um, you know, they, they those guys are getting getting brought up. I'm surprised that they don't do a little more, um, you know, max protection. Uh, but uh, but in all honesty, some of those it it was you know heavy protection, and they still. They still gave up protection uh, problems. So, man, I, you know, I wish um, I, yeah, I had better answers. But but your players got to play. You know, they got to they got to play better. And that's um, you know that that that's on that's on everybody. And and it's a frustrating spot to be in when you thought you kind of had the line uh, put together for for a heck of a run. Colts great. Jeff Saturday with us. He's recapping every Colts game this season. Um, Jeff, I want to stay on this for just a second. Um, when you bring up, you know, passing games and handling stunts, you mind like taking us kind of inside of the mind of an offensive lineman and how that operation goes. I mean, I'm watching Braden Smith and Matt Pryor, and basically Matthew Judon is lined up opposite Braden Smith the right tackle at the start of the snap, and he just has a slight delay. Next thing you know, he's going inside, and Matt Pryor thinks that he's you know, blocking the guy that all of a sudden is in front of Braden Smith, and next thing you know, Matthew Judon, the leading sacker in the NFL, is right in front of Sam Ellinger. How does that communication work Monday through Saturday, pre-snap, and yeah. then in the game? No, no, that's a great question. And so as you, as you go through... Um, you know, I, I could, and I can tell you this because not only do I break them down all the time, but I played against them forever. You know, th- that is the, that is the Patriots. Um, that's their style of rush, right? Since Belichick has been there, it's all what we call rubs, bumps, um, you know, hip checks. So what they're trying to do is it's a, it's a TE stunt. So the tackle, um, the guy who's sitting over prior is going to go towards uh, he's going to go towards Braden Smith, and then Judon is going to step towards Braden, hesitate, and then as that tackle hip checks uh, Braden, he's either going to try to ricochet or he's going to try to grab or pull prior and ricochet at the same time to take two for one as Judon comes in and and you know like you said comes free into the face of the quarterback. But from a from an offensive perspective, you have to jump set that guy that the the three technique that's on the guard extremely physical. The tackle has to sit down with his hand, be expecting a stunt because it's those are secondary moves, right? Is you have to be able to see it with your eyes, and then as Braden comes down, uh, Pryor has to slide off quickly or spin off if he's getting grabbed and stay in front of Judon. And it, you know it's not always going to be perfect. It looks ugly. Uh, there's there's nothing pretty about it, but it, you got you have to be uh, you got to be extremely stout in there. And once you get them stopped, it it becomes an easier rush in all honesty than just getting going one on one because they they have to stop and restart themselves. And so 
but it's something you have to practice efficiently. You have to be able to pass those. We call it snap off, where the hands of the guard have to like push like you're throwing a basketball really quickly, really powerfully to push that guy in front of the tackle and then be waiting on that. But um, there's no way it was a surprise. Like I, you know, the O line coach Strausser. I know for a fact he, he he goes over those things. There's no way that those players were surprised by the Patriots doing it. They've been doing it dang near 25 years, so um, they just didn't execute. And that's that's got that's got to be the frustration uh, coming out of the day. Jeff, one of the things I appreciate about when you come on here is if I'm totally off base on something, you'll say, "Look, man, you're, you're totally off base on that, right?" So I, I'm going to present to you one, and I want you to tell me if I'm totally mm-hmm. off base. I I have a lot of respect, obviously, I think as anybody does, for Frank Reich as a guy and as you know, as somebody over the course of his career as a player and as a coach. But he looks to me and sounds to me like a guy that is has exhausted all ends and has just kind of thrown his hands up. I mean, every week it's look, we you know, I I didn't I didn't coach well enough. I didn't get him prepared enough. And I get the fact he's gonna fall on the sword for his guys. But in any way, shape, or form, does he appear to you to be a coach who I'm not going to say he's mailing it in, but who knows that he's at the end of the leash. Yeah, I, yeah he's definitely not a mail-it-in guy. So, yeah, you, yeah. As, as far as, you know, where he sits and, and the frustrating part, I'm assuming, for, for Frank is that in the biggest moments, his, his best players have not made the plays. And that's, you know, as a coach, you try to get your guys in the right spot to do the right thing. And so as we all heap on, you know, where what, what's going on with Frank, you know, we, we have to be um, thoughtful of the other of the other guys as well, because I, I, mean, I can tell you, I mean, even in the even in the commander's game, you know, um, you know, we have a we have a, a, a great play that that 78 snaps it early. You got one play where 56 whiffs, and you know it's a it's a it's a tackle for a loss. Um, so there were things that happened, and, and the problem from a like you're saying from a coaching perspective is there ain't a whole lot of answers for that, right? Like uh, you know we we used to say it all the time, like you got to play above the X's and O's. You, you know it, 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 you know when you're on a board, it all looks great, but when the the guy up front is is getting beat. Um, and, and again, now those two guys played, they actually played really well yesterday. Um, so, you know, but, but I'm just saying in general from a guy who continues to bring ideas to the table, um, that's got to be tough, you know, and I haven't been in his position, but I can't imagine that being, a, um, you know, an, an easy thing to keep going over. But, you know, they got to figure it out. They got to find a way and, you know, you you, you got to get the most out of your guys, and so I, I'm, I'm sure the frustration is at an all time high, and and uh, disappointment, you know, aligns with that. So, I, you know, I, I can't imagine where they're feeling today. Again, Jeff Saturday is with us. He joins us the day after every Colts game here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Jeff, I want to go back to the news item that kind of dominated last week: the firing of offense coordinator Marcus Brady. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but in your tenure, did you have many, if any, offensive coordinators that maybe weren't calling the plays on game no. day? So all of your offense coordinators called plays. When I, the only time I ever had that was when I was in Green Bay. When I was in Indy, all of our um, all of our coordinator, you know, it was it was Tom Moore right. who who was making the calls and and designed the game plan. Obviously, he and Peyton. Um, or whoever the quarterback was for the for the year he got banged up, but um, no, it was always him. When I went to Green Bay, McCarthy called the plays on the game, but um, they had uh, Tom was the was the um, was the coordinator, so he would just he would address meetings. He would go overall, you know, with the head coach. He can't be in all those meetings. He, he you know, he's he's doing a number of different things. And so as the in, for install or for corrections, that, that, that guy, that's what he's doing. He's going over, you know, whatever the corrections are that need to be made. What did we do well on this play? Was it a successful play minus who, you know, who has to improve. So he's doing those things, um, you know, going over it. And so that, that was, that, that is his role. And so I'm assuming that was, you know, I, I had been to, you know, I don't know how many practices with the Colts, but, um, you know, during practice, it's, it's Brady who's kind of doing, or it was, you know, Marcus and, 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 uh, Frank kind of together. And then on Sunday, I'm assuming they were in that same communication, but Frank's the guy ultimately calling it. 
So it's a. Uh, I was shocked, I and mean, I said that last week. I was shocked that they they let him go. Um, don't know the reason. You know, haven't haven't asked Frank like what was the thought process on it. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a shocking move for me as well. Just from just from the way the whole season has has went through, uh, and they may have addressed it in the Indian. I mean, the Indian media. I, I just you know with with we just I hadn't I hadn't seen it or followed up on it. Jeff, how mental is offensive line play in other words you know there's certain you know what i mean like when 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 you get beat on a play how hard is it and are are we witnessing that with a quentin nelson yeah is it in his head yeah yeah so i'll tell you man this and this is we talk about this all the time because of who i get to work with you know whether it be ryan clark or um you know other dbs the other defensive players that we all talk so offensive line and, and defensive back are really the only two positions um, where you where you have to be at your best moving backwards, right? So like everything has to time up. You know, you, when you know we, we look. I love running the football, but the truth is is that you you know you have to throw it in today's game. And so when you're when you're going backwards and having to stop another man who's as large as you but faster than you getting to that guy that they think is as precious as, as diamonds or gold, you know, you're the, the pressure is on. And so the, uh, it, it, you have to have a very short memory, no different than a, than a corner, you know, like we, we say it all the time. We can block 70 of 72 plays perfectly. You give up two sacks, bro. And you're a bum, right? Like you need to be fired and, and it's, you know, all, all is lost. And so, uh, yeah, it, it is a definite mental position. You have to be, you have to be reminded uh, of all the of all the things and the and the techniques that you have to use repeatedly because what happens is everything begins to speed up the 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 the, the, the pace of the game changes and all of a sudden your timing is off your punch and your feet are different so you might be leaning or you might be hedging it so they can see it so now they swipe or they stab your your chest with their long arm like all those things are happening and so when you come to the sideline that's that's where the staff gets down and goes, hey, man, you know, here's what you're seeing. You know, your, your feet are out of rhythm or your hands are out of rhythm, and here's what we have to have. But when you can't get yourself out of there, I have seen some of the best in the world just get minimized. And, and it is 100%, Jake, like thought process. Like i got to reset myself. i got to let this last one go. And when everything around you begins to fall it, it's it's even more the pressure you you start trying to do more right like you try to push the guy a little further and spin a little quicker and do and then you're taking yourself out of the game and I have seen that as well man like there's some plays where Q Nelson has a great set snap you know pushes a guy off and then turns and tries to help somebody else and then spins back you know and he's doing all those things but because you feel like the you know there, there's so many cracks in the dam where you know how do i stop it type deal right. and so that's that that's what has happened and, and you're exactly right it is a hundred percent um you know mental fortitude is, 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 is if it's not the key aspect it's one of them 35 sacks through nine games it's an astonishing number when you think back to the first four years of the frank reich Era. Jeff, as always, we love your insight. Unfortunately, or I don't know, maybe fortunately, if you want to go glass half full, the biggest issue for the Colts this season is your expertise. So <laughs> we appreciate you uh, you providing that with us every every Monday. I appreciate it, fellas. Y'all have a great week.